I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to The Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Mark Wilkinson, international DJ, speaker, author and coach. If you show me someone who gets very, very excited, I'll show you the same person who gets very, very depressed. If you show me someone who's just enthusiasm, you know, solid, dependable, on the money, being successful, that's a lifelong buzz and that's the bit I'm in now. We find out how Mark was able to cure his body and how Mark helps others remix their lives. My way wasn't working and it, it was clear to see. You know, finances, relationships, my body, the way I was thinking, and nothing was working. Um, and it got extreme. It got, if you, you know, if you're in such a position that you're thinking that it's better not to be here than to be here, that's pretty extreme. Mark, hello and welcome to my show. It's so lovely to have you here today in my little place in Richmond. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you for having me here as well. It's lovely. Thank you. Well, Mark, I'm dying to delve into your very interesting life. But Thank before you. we get started, can you tell my audience a little bit about you, who you are and mm. what you're currently doing? Okay, so my name is Mark Wilkinson. I'm now an author, speaker, life coach. Um, I've... Uh, been a DJ in a previous life, had a record in the top 10, was resident DJ at Ministry of Sound, uh, went through a huge amount of challenges, uh, a lot of life traumas, uh, but thankfully come out the other side, sort of dusted myself off um, and written it all in a book. And uh, I'm really, really grateful that I was in a position to be able to write Life Remix. Well, I'm looking forward to getting down to Life mm. Remix and it's a fantastic title <laughs> and I want to know why you chose that. But before we get mm. there, can we go into your journey and... Tell us about where you were in your life and at what point you got to that changed everything to that life pivotal moment yeah. that changed you. <laughs> so I was um, resident DJ at Ministry of Sound when I was 25 in 1995, running around the globe thinking I was like, you know, the main man, you know, DJing. And, um, but uh, a lot of my addictions were getting, getting hold of me, you know, um, and uh, I was partying hard as well as you know, playing people's records, I was producing some records. I was basically living what you would possibly call a young man's dream. You know, it was kind of like, it had everything. It was like you know, a kid in a candy store with a lot of things. Um, and it was all great until it wasn't. Um, one day I was um, uh, walking through my flat and my leg gave way and I just fell onto the floor um, and uh, I couldn't really get up. My leg was like jelly. It was a very, very strange experience. My brother was there, he helped me up after he'd stopped laughing. I think he thought it was funny to start with. Uh, and he helped me up off the floor. And um, and yeah, he said, what happened? I was like, I don't know. Uh, essentially, long story short, of course, it's all in the book. My life just deteriorated over the next 18 months into a, a what was I going to say, a pit, a pit of agony, a pit of kind of like, you know, unable to walk mentally, physically, shot to bits, suicidal. Um, and it was, it was awful. And I, I just... I really did think about ending it all. It was point I thought it was pointless. So at that point, before you thought about ending it all, mm. did you think you're did you think, oh my god, maybe it's my lifestyle, the DJ lifestyle that had got you to this stage of, of basically your body not mm. working? Mm. Well certainly I uh, have been doing some work for the National Enclosing Spondylitis Society, which is the rheumatic condition that I was then diagnosed with. Um, and certainly they, they've been pushing me and saying, is there clues? Were there clues? Well, yes, there were clues about pain and inflammation in my body before I actually collapsed that day. Um, but what I would say is, is that um, uh, there were sort of painful clues. There were things that were going on. And certainly I was looking at my lifestyle, 
during that 18 months and I was thinking, well, is this payback for all the things that perhaps I wasn't being such a great guy about, you know, drink, drugs, you know, various girlfriends, you know, not being a great guy. Uh, maybe this is payback, you know. There was definitely that time that was going on in my mind, yeah. What got you into DJing in the first place? Yeah, music, music, music. I'll tell you what, I was rubbish at football. I was passionate about music. My mum always had Elvis and the Beatles when I was on the, you know, on her stereo when I was a little kid. And I remember getting those goosebumps up my spine, kind of listening to this music. And it was never the little soft ballads. It was always like the real sort of, you know, uplifting stuff. I was like, oh, what? This is amazing. What's this? And from there on, I just got a little bit older and I got into soul music and rap and hip hop and um, you know, I was an 80s soul boy, the Fat Bat Band, Cameo, uh, Melissa Morgan, all these great acts. And I used to go to the live events at 16, 17, all buzzy, like music, music, music. And I used to love the atmosphere and being around people. Um, and then I walked into uh, I walked into the Astoria one uh, Saturday afternoon uh, or Saturday afternoon evening in about 1988. And uh, the place was buzzy and everyone was, you know, uh, next thing you know, someone said, you want this? I went, okay. And, and what, it, what that did for me was they elongated the, the party. It made the party longer. I could dance longer. I could socialize longer. I could hang out longer. I was more confident. You know, I could speak to women more confidently. And it was just, everything about that was just kind of like, whoa, which is, it was amazing. And, and so, and then I just found a way I started to, I bought, uh, two decks and a mixer and cr crudely started to mix two records together and went, oh, right, look. I can actually do this. I can actually beat match two records. And the next thing you know, 20 years later, I'm a DJ and I'm just like, traveling the globe. Incredible. Well, if you look back at those moments, can you can you pinpoint any any moments that were just like absolutely phenomenal? Oh. In I'd say the first time I played the Ministry of Sound in the main room on that big sound system, it was just, I was standing on this spot where masters at work, you know, Louis Vega, um, Kenny Doe, you know, David Morales, CJ McIntosh, Tony Humphries, all these incredible legendary DJs had played and here's Mark Wilkinson playing some music in there and that was just like what what is going on here this is incredible um first time I played in Pasture and Ibiza in fact every time I played Ministry mm. of Sound in Pasture and Ibiza just phenomenal um but you know what I, mean, I picked those clubs out I mean you know the ends in London the cross in London all these amazing clubs it didn't really matter where I was playing when I played some music when 500 1000 2000 people danced and celebrated a song that I chose and I put on, there's, there's no feeling like that. It's like, the only thing I can think it must be like is scoring a goal for your favourite team, right? And that's <laughs> the only thing I can think it must be like. Have you felt that feeling again? That's a great question. And I've been asked it in a slightly different way before, which is, do you miss DJing? Um, I don't miss DJing at all. Um, I still do a bit, uh, as you know. I still make a few records, as you know. Uh, but... That feeling now is replaced by a feeling of just solid happiness, enthusiasm in a really, really great place. It's not that euphoria, but I don't really need that euphoria anymore because I just feel really steady, happy, healthy, wealthy, successful. You know, that's a totally different, that's a, like a lifelong buzz rather than a, <laughs> rather than a 30 seconds of like, you know, excitement. So I think it's, you know, if you show me someone who gets very, very excited, I'll show you the same person who gets very, very depressed. If you show me someone who's just enthusiasm, you know, solid, dependable, on the money, being successful, that's a lifelong buzz. And that's the bit I'm in now. I think. If you were to look back at, at your life mm. being a DJ, how would you say that's changed your life? Uh, it gave me a way of actually making money 
uh, through doing something I was passionate about. And that in itself was part of the young man's dream. Um, it got out of control with my addictions, my ego, um, you know, thinking I was something special. Uh, and I think that the crash off the top of that into bankrupt, well, dis-ease and bankruptcy, those things there were there actually a message for me to, to change my life. And those were actually the, the two moments I would say that have set me up for the rest of the journey that I'm going living at the moment. But that was an experience. It taught me entrepreneurial skills. It did teach me a lot of positive things as well, you know, and I was still a positive guy doing what I was doing, but I was battling with a lot of negativity and addiction. And I think that looking back on it now, I sometimes think, oh, you know, if I knew, if I knew what I know now, self-development wise, if I'd have gone back and done it differently in the music world, I think there would have been a very different outcome. How, what would you have done differently? Um, I wouldn't have uh, gone to excess like I did. I'd have got a solid, dependable relationship and I'd have been a good man in order to, in order to make that happen. Uh, and I think I'd have been way more successful. But as it was, I think a lot of my doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, I think that held me back. Do you think you needed to reach that point, though, in order to turn your life around? Totally. And, and, and let, let's, let's fast forward now. Let's get to the point where you're in your flat, you, your body's just given up. Because it, it wasn't just, a, 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 well, it was, I guess it was a gradual thing for your body, but you, you reached a, a crisis yes, um, big time. in many words. Uh, so what happened after that? Yeah, so that was a crisis that hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> you know, it took me down. It hit, it hit the floor, literally. Um, and that was a, a turning point. Now, now that I can look at it, it was a turning point. When I was in it, it was the worst moment of my life, you know. And then the following ensuing 18 months of absolute agony, undiagnosed agony. No one could tell me what was going on. No doctor, I saw hundred doctors and no one could tell me. So what did the doctors say? I mean, literally, did you sort of go that next day and go, my body's just give packed up? I can't say I went the next day um, because I got some strength back in my leg, but then very, very slowly over a period of time, it just got worse and worse and worse. So there'd be more and more pain all over my body. Uh, my whole body swelled up. Um, you know, you couldn't touch me. If you tried to shake my hand, it'd be like it was on fire. But, oh, you know, I couldn't sleep at night because it felt like someone was stabbing me in the ribs. Uh, it was just shocking. And I was caning painkillers. And I went to a lot of private doctors because I didn't have a GP at the time because I was living right near Harley Street. So I went to loads of private doctors, spent a lot of money, um, and nobody could tell me what was going on. And I was still in that mindset of, well, you're the doctor. You must tell me what's going on. Yeah, you know, you're the expert. Why don't you know? You know. So, do, were they just letting you walk out with no answers at all? Or yeah. Painkillers, presumably. Yeah. Just keep keep caning ibuprofen. So, they knew your lifestyle. They presumably they knew you were a DJ caning lots yeah. of different things, and then they were adding yeah. additional medication to you and yes, your lifestyle. Yes, yes. At what point did this? I mean, at what point did you take this over and go, "Hang on a minute." There's got to be another answer to this. Well, there was two things that happened. One was uh, we moved to a new place in Clerkenwell, and I went to see a new doctor, a GP, and I shuffled in to see this woman, uh, and she looked, took one look up and down at me, and she was like, I'm surprised you've gone on this long. And I was like, yeah, okay. Well, help then, please, you know. And she said, you need an emergency appointment with a rheumatologist. Now, I was thinking, right, okay, so I'll go now then, shall I? And she was like, no, no, six weeks' time, you can get you... I was like, Another six weeks of shuffling around in pain, agony, not sleeping, caning in painkillers. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I went for a detox up in Scotland around the similar kind of time as I was trying to find answers. Mm. Um, 
and I had a few of these detoxes. And on that detox, uh, a original early mentor, a guy that actually saw something in me potentially that I didn't see myself, he gave me a little disc DVD of The Secret. And he said, watch this film. And I had nothing else in my diary because I was on a detox. And I went upstairs and slotted it into my laptop. I watched The Secret. Okay, I even remember, I actually remember laying on the bed watching it on my laptop going, okay, yeah. So what, what you believe you achieve is, you know, all the universe, law of attraction, okay. And I took it out and I sort of shuffled back downstairs. I went, here you go. He said, Mark, go and watch it a hundred times. I was like, okay. So um, I took him at his word. I went, okay, I will. And I watched the film a hundred times. Did you not at any point think, oh God, this guy's not for real. I, I really no. can't watch this film a hundred times. I'll just tell him. I was in so much agony that I would, I would, I needed something. No, no doctor had told me for so much, so long. No, no person around me, no parent, no friend. Nobody was suffering. Nobody could tell. Everyone was just looking at me, going like, "What on earth is going on?" Have you heard of the expression when the students ready, yes. the teacher will appear? Yes. Do you believe that was the moment? Yes, where without, without a shadow of a doubt. I think I'd my way wasn't working, and it, it was clear to see. You know, finances, relationships, my body, the way I was thinking, and nothing was working. Um, and it got extreme. It got, if you, you know, if you're in such a position that you're thinking that it's better not to be here than to be here, that's pretty extreme. What took you out of that? So basically, you had, you'd got, it got to the point where you had suicidal thoughts. It sure. got that bad. How did you um, turn those thoughts around? Obviously, you sat, sat here today, thank God. But, um, thank you. Yeah. Um, the secret, uh, when Bob Proctor said a dis-ease is two words, you have to hyphenate it. Now, I know you know that now, but we'll think back to when you were, you know, 15 or something. No one's, no one's oh. telling you that, are they? You know, you, the doctor knows all and you go and see the doctor and they look after, give you some drugs and you go, oh, thanks very much. And, you know, oh, we'll fix you, we'll do whatever. A dis-ease, what? What? You know, and I'll, but you, the doctor's just told me I've got an incurable disease and you're saying it's a disease and the explanation of that is if you have a dis-ease in your body, then you're not at ease in your thoughts and your feelings. Did, did that sort of compute to you? Because, I mean, when, when I, rem I remember reading that as well and, and it's taken me probably years of personal growth as well, for you to keep hearing the same things and things in your life, it, it all sort of starts stacking up and making sense. But actually when you first read that, and I, you know, when I talk to my mum and dad about, you know, illness and they're very old school, you know, go to the doctor, go to the GP, and it's actually, well, there's actually an incredible amount you can do without doing that, mm. first of all. D did your mind actually take on board that it was you and your lifestyle that was actually affecting well, your body? When someone tells you, if you when, when a doctor tells you you've got a disease, and then someone else tells you that it's a great philosopher, great thinker, says a disease, then you go, well, hold on a minute, you're, you're telling me completely different things. The doctor's going bad, like it's in your genes, you're always going to get it. And the secret and Bob Proctor are saying it's a disease and it's your responsibility. And I'm like, whoa, okay, hold on. So, uh, and, and I'll be honest, at that moment, I thought, what are you talking about? I'm fine. 
you know, I've been, I'm the party boy. I'm kind of, you know, here I am traveling the world. I'm, you know, all, all on, all guns blazing. Because you were deemed successful, right? Well, yeah. as in, it's yeah. anyone to look at you. Yeah. You're an international DJ flying around the world. Presumably got women chucking themselves at you. You, you've got to get a, a great yeah, yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, yeah, success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the outside looking in, I'm, I'm the... I'm the DJ, I'm the leader, I'm the guy at the front of the night who's playing to thousands of people. I've got everything that you could imagine that you would think would be great. Uh, but actually, so when they said this, so I'm not at ease. Uh, what? And that was what got me thinking because clearly my way wasn't working. Um, even though it looked great on the outside, from the inside it was not, not great. Um, and my body basically told me. My body said, listen. So what did you do, Mark, in order to heal yourself? Yeah, so that was quite a journey. Uh, I started to listen, first and foremost. I started to study with philosophers, authors, teachers, coaches. You know, I just, I became a, a real, you know, bookworm. I started to study books, you know. Um, and the more and more I studied, uh, the better and better my results got. What I would say was the start point, uh, which was said to me, your way isn't working, try mine. Uh, I said, okay, fine. And um, the first thing was being grateful. Uh, I don't think I'd ever really learnt... I don't think I'd, although I'd learned to say thank you when I was a kid mm. or when someone gave me a DJ gig or paid me, I'd say, yeah, thanks, you know, whatever. I didn't really learn deep gratitude, I don't think. Just stop you there because I think that's, it's an amazing thing to say you were grateful. But I can imagine you're there, your body's giving up and, you know, presumably you can't, you're not traveling the world at the moment because you're fixed, no. trying to fix your, your body. And you, you're sitting there and you're saying to yourself, I'm grateful. And you're probably, wasn't that sort of un, in, not intuitive to what yeah, you should okay. be Yeah, okay. So, yeah, there was a lot of the, I'd say the first thing I learned was gratitude, how to, how to heal myself. But the actual emotions that I was going through at that time of, of the, the darkness, if you like, before the light came, you know, uh, the darkness was, was, yeah, it was just getting worse and worse and down and down and down. And it had to go through, I had to go through quite a few years. And I ended up bankrupt as well. You know, there was quite a few years of struggle, but I was studying, studying, studying. And I think that by the time I started to really heal myself, heal my life, remix my life fully, was when I kind of cleared out of the dis-ease, recovered um, enough to be able to start running marathons, as you're reading. Mm, yes. um, but it, a lot of that just started with, with the gratitude, you know, just be grateful for... Wow. Uh, you know, a doctor did give me some uh, pills that did take away some of the pain, which helped. But I was still, you know, so with the pain gone or going away, I was able then to study the mind. So the, I would never negate modern medicine, okay? Modern medicine can help us as we go through and learn more about our mind, our body, the emotional connection, everything else. And I think it's really, really important to never negate medicine, never negate doctors, listen to the good advice, don't listen to the not so good advice, but investigate the universal laws. And the first one is being grateful. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm honestly a great believer in mind, body, being a nutrition coach. Mm. Myself, I start with mind because mm. if it's not right up here, then everything else is not, doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> but I'm also fascinated with the connection the mind and body has. And with that connection goes every part of your life. So your body had given way, you'd found yourself, you know, bankrupt. Mm. Were you still DJing at that time? I had a couple of gigs left just enough to um, survive. I actually ended up living in my mum's spare room. I would have been homeless if it wasn't for my mum 
my dear old mum actually having a little spare bedroom, little tiny little box room. I'm 39 years of age in my mum's box room. I've got a couple of little DJ gigs, uh, but not many. Uh, I ended up signing on when the gigs ran out. And so at one point, I was 39 in my mum's spare room after this 20 plus DJ career, traveling the globe, top 10 here, everything else. In my mum's spare room, signing on the doll, scratching my head really, going like, what has happened here, you know? Um, but then that's when the real kind of remix could happen and I could start to really be grateful for food, clothing and shelter. Be grateful for my mum, for the fact that she'd stuck by me all those years and give me the opportunity to rebuild again. You know, that was a deep sense of gratitude. It wasn't kind of like, you know, thank you. It was actually like, whoa, you know, I am so grateful that we've got everything that we've got. You know, I even volunteered for crisis at Christmas so I could work with the homeless. Um, and again, I worked with those guys that gave my all while I was there. But again, it taught me something. It taught me the gratitude for everything. So what was happening to you when you were going through all this grateful, being grateful, working with the homeless? Basically, we'll get back to the remixing your life because mm. I love that word. Mm. What was happening to your body at this point? So I was um, healing, yeah. I was absolutely healing. Um, I detoxified my life. So at the time, I actually went completely vegan. Um, so I gave up drink drugs, then I gave up meat, wheat, sugar, dairy, caffeine, I gave up everything. Um, and I healed, I healed reasonably quickly. Um, within uh, probably six to 12 months, uh, my friend said to me, I'm gonna uh, train for the London Marathon, would you like to join me? And I remember thinking, I remember thinking, this is quite a good story actually. If I can go from unable to walk, to finishing the, uh, the London Marathon, as it was in 2009, I remember thinking, that's quite, that's quite a good story. It's the start of a comeback. And that gave me, it gave me hope. And I think if you read on the back of my book, Bob Potter says, with hope you have options. Yeah. And uh, it gave me hope. And, and I was only, my uncle said to me, you're only 39, 40 mark, you can, you've still got time to turn it around. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm taking that. I'm listening, I'm listening to the universe. Uh, and I just got really focused and um, yeah, that was, that was when things started to get better. So you changed your diet, you, you mm. exercised, you running marathons. What about the people around you as well? Did, huh. did, did that have an influence on you? Because I know that's always had an influence on my life. I it? had six months of abject loneliness. Um, I removed myself from the club scene pretty much, from the people that I was hanging around with. Um, they didn't want to hang around with me either because I'd given up alcohol. You know, that was a big one for me. Gave up alcohol completely. I think people say to me, oh, that's amazing. You're so strong. I think if a doctor says to you, you've got an inflammatory disease in your body, yeah. and then you look research and you go, what's the most inflammatory thing I can put in my body? Hmm. It's alcohol. And so for me, I looked at it and went, okay, uh, I'm, I, I'm not putting alcohol in my body anymore. That was it. I just decided... But then that then meant that all my old friends were, they, they yeah, weren't going to stop course. drinking. It's your lifestyle. Well, that was, that was the life I'd been leading yeah. for 20 plus years. So, yeah, I, I, I remember staying with a friend for a little while uh, before I ended up back with my mum. And, um, uh, yeah, I was just on my own, pretty much. I was on my own for six months. Uh, but that's when I really just practiced, practiced, practiced on myself. You know, that was when I practiced the gratitude. That's when I practiced forgiveness. That's when I practiced acceptance, you know these kind of things, and I just practiced and worked on it. And the more I did it, the stronger I felt. It was almost like kind of like uh, that little sort of interlude in a film, you know, the musical interlude in a film where, you know, you're, they're rebuilding themselves and they come back stronger, you know. And, uh, and that's what I did. And, and, yeah, I mean, the marathon running and everything else that went alongside that was, um, was, was beautiful. So 
your book yeah. that's entitled uh, Life Remixed, mm. um, and we've talked about remixing your life. Tell me about what that word means to you. Yeah, so when I came up with the title, to me, it was obvious, right? Because I know what a remix is. I've been in the music industry 20 years. I remixed Lou Reed and David Bowie and put them in the top 10, you know? I mean, just what I've been doing all my life. And I've been surprised. Uh, I know you know, Sonia, but I've been surprised by a lot of people that are, well, what's a remix? I don't even know what it is. I'm like, right, okay, let me explain, okay? And that's in the front of the book as well, which is, okay, so a remix is I get sent a load of parts. So I'll have the vocal parts, the bass parts, the piano parts of a track. I get the, all the parts and then I pick all the parts that I like. And I go, I like the vocal, I like this, I like, and I keep all of that. And I get rid of the parts I don't like. And then I put in a load of other parts that I do like. And I make a remix. I make a Mark Wilkinson remix. There you go. That's a, a new version of your track that you brought to me. Um, and that's what remixers do. That's what uh, producers do. And so when I looked at my life remix, I went, okay, so I've kept the parts of me that were good. And I've lost the, the parts of me that are holding me back, the negativity, like I said earlier, doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, depression, dis-ease, all of that can go, yeah? And we're going to live in the seven positive emotions and we're going to live in a positive place and that's all wow. I've done. So how do you help people today remix their lives? Well, I get a lot of people coming to me that are dissatisfied with some result, either with themselves um, or quite usually it's something outside of themselves. So it'll be their finances or their relationships or their family or their job or something. They'll come to me and say, I'm, I'm not happy with this. What can I do about it? And I've got a 12 months to remix your life program and I take people through a 12 month uh, lifestyle change and they get the results that they would like in any area. Is part of that the secret? The secret underpins it all because what you think about is what you bring about. But the deeper level of that, the law of attraction is what you think about, what you bring about. The law of vibration is really what it's about, which is what you feel, right? And you attract what you feel. If you attract, if you're feeling negative, worried, doubtful, in a bad place, nothing's going right, and you feel bad, you're gonna get more of it. So that's just given me goosebumps. And, and I remember I read it, and I was with a group of friends, and we all read it together. And we all did this crazy manifesting, for a few weeks and then nothing worked. Why is it not working? Why is it not working? And, and I hear people say that a lot, you sure. know, you know, it's, it's one thing to read any personal development book. I think the secret is, is one of the, the greatest, but um, there's a lot of them out there. Why do you think it doesn't work for some people? Yeah. Have you ever looked at Amazon reviews of the secret? It's, it's people slate it. People are like one star reviews going, this is rubbish. It's hocus pocus. It's, just, it's hilarious because what's going on is that People say, oh, well, I tried that for a month and it didn't work. Well, guess like what? Me. Guess what? It's not like that, you know? We're talking about a lifetime commitment here. We're talking about something that takes time. You know as well as I do. If you want to go get a big muscle, you've got to go to the gym. You've got to keep pumping it. You know, you've got to keep working it. When you put the weight down, it goes away, right? And so it's so important that you actually understand that and understand it's a lifelong commitment. And we are, we the majority of people, unless you've been born to like, Buddhist multimillionaires, the majority of people have got some kind of struggles or some kind of things that are going on. And I think it's fascinating. And the amount of people that come to me with some sort of dissatisfaction, which, by the way, is a creative state, because that actually means that you can go, well, I'm not satisfied with this. I'm going to do something about it. And every single self-development guru that I ever listen to, uh, they all say, find someone who's living the way you would like to live and then copy them. And guess what? They've written a book or they've got a program and they'll help. 
and that's now me. I've, I've trans, you know, transmuted, or I've kind of moved across from the negative place that wasn't serving me into a positive place that does serve me, and now I add value and I give service to as many people around the world who, who want my support. It's amazing. What three things would you say to somebody that is maybe going through a crisis and how they could potentially change change that around? Absolutely. My, my sort of three staples, if they're struggling in any way, and what's interesting, by the way, is I've written a book about coming out of a crisis and the way I did it, just as the world's trying to come out of a crisis, well, right? So that's the law of attraction, right? It yeah, it, it, it's just the way it works. Uh, my three go-to things that I work with a lot of people on, and many people struggle with these. The first one is forgiveness, okay? You have to forgive everyone everything, and you have to start with yourself. You have to, okay? If you're carrying any kind of resentment or anger or fear or anything around with you, with you that's not serving you, ultimately it will come out in your body, mine did. Um, so you must forgive everyone everything. You must work on total acceptance. And by the way, that's my definition of love, okay? Love is total acceptance. When you totally accept you, you know, uh, and you can then totally accept other people, then you're in a good place. And the third one we mentioned already is gratitude. So it's forgiveness, acceptance, and then gratitude. And those three things bring you right here, right now into this present moment. There is nothing else but this moment. And now this moment. <laughs> and now this moment. But so many people are caught up either looking back in anger or forward in fear that they're missing this bit here. And forgiveness, acceptance, and gratitude will bring you right here. I love it. Mark, Thank you. I love it. What's next for you? We brought out the book, Life Remix, and we'll put a link on my show notes. But what's coming next? Uh, we're just warming up. I've got a brand new track coming out called Sweet Sweet Music with Kenny Thomas. Uh, it's coming out on Life Remix Music, my new label. Yeah, see what I did yeah, there? So, so Kenny, um, we're going to raise money for Kenny's daughter, Christina, because um, she hasn't been well. So uh, there's a whole story behind that. So we're really looking forward to bringing out this wonderful track. I'm writing my second book, which is going to be about relationships, by the way. Um, and I'm also going to be putting on seminars. So we do online seminars at the moment. Obviously, we're coming out of COVID. Mm -hmm. So we do online seminars, seminars called Five Days to Remix Your Life, which is one hour a day, and we do those every month. Uh, and we're talking to various sponsors and various other people about putting on a live event called Remix Your Life for one day where people can just come, get some good food, uh, hang out, meet interesting people, get uh, you know, a, a delivery of a, of a sort of seminar from myself. Um, and then some music in the evening. So watch this space for that one. Oh, it sounds like a great day. It sounds, it sounds like, like, like you certainly remixed your life. I have, <laughs> I have to you. say that. Um, I, I could chat to you all day, but I have come to my final question. And that is, if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would the message be? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I might have said them already, but yeah, look... You do become what you feel. You, you do become what you feel. And I think if we go back through generations, we go back to Greek philosophers from thousands of years ago, you know, the messages are all there. If you actually look at famous quotes that have gone through successful people, you actually, if you, you know, when you feel good, you attract good things. And it is a real thing. It's, it's provable. I just watched Think and Grow Rich, the movie, the other day, The Legacy. It's been out for a few years. I watched it. It's brilliant. And, and they actually prove it. They actually prove it scientifically. They look at cells and they look at cells after you felt grateful and you feel good. Cells change. They get more positive. They get into a better place. You're less chance of dis-ease when you feel good. So please, you know, if you want to make a change in your physical and mental health, start with gratitude. Start to feel good. Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank this has been so. amazing. Thank, thank you. you. It was amazing. Thank you for thank having you. me. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday, 
So hit subscribe and like and you'll get it straight into your inbox.